0: Africa is a very, very confusing place. We are the richest continent in terms of natural resource, yet remain the poorest. We have the fastest growing workforce, yet remain the highest in unemployment. These are puzzling problems that require urgent solutions. And after a long time of researching, I have a few answers. I have found that if you need more schools in a country, it often works if you build more schools. I have found that if you need more doctors, it often works if you train more doctors. I have found that if you need more healthcare, education, renewable energy, ladies and gentlemen, it often works if we build them. The only question is who will do the building and the only true answer is as Africans we must build them all ourselves on a continent with over 70% youth we must put young people at the forefront of this development ladies and gentlemen we must build the African youth economy the African youth economy can be described as the economic opportunities and activities that young people participate in. It encompasses every sector and every industry. There are over 500 million young Africans. Building the African youth economy means designing products and services for this demographic. When I was 18, I started my very first business. I would ride from, I would ride on the school bus and I would go from slum areas to extremely wealthy affluent neighborhoods in seconds. And if you live in Africa and have traveled across Africa, this is something you're familiar with. And I came to understand that this was inequality. And Africa had the highest rate of inequality In the world. So I quit school at 18 years old and determined to solve the African housing crisis and I had a plan and it was a good plan. I was gonna start a company and that company would build all the houses. They would build them affordably, would build them cheaply and at a high standard starting with kenya where the annual housing deficit was 500,000 homes easy task for a 18 year old long story short after one year working we did not end up solving the african housing crisis however we did build about a dozen homes and they were the best homes in that community so we were proud of that but ultimately I had failed and I began to experience something I can only now describe as founder humility. Not to be mistaken with ordinary humility. Founder humility is a deeply confusing, crushing, and incredibly terrifying feeling that founders experience when we realize that actually what we thought about the world isn't true. And all of a sudden, we now have to reevaluate our place in that world. After that brief but intense taste of founder humility, I decided I'd go to university. And I studied philosophy, politics, and economics in an attempt to understand the world. So that the next time I venture to solve a problem, I would not experience founder humility and I would be successful. And this opened my eyes to all sorts of problems across so many sectors of the economy, health, transport, financial services, renewable energy, and all of them in desperate need of solutions. And I felt this was Africa's opportunity to build world-class problems to this solutions. But what I discovered was disappointing. We were building these solutions, but we were building them below standard and calling them innovative. I am guilty. We built some of the best housing in communities that we entered in. However, if you look at the standard of affordable housing across the world, doesn't come near. Where were the hybrid cars? Where were the hyperloops? Where were the fast trains? Where was the innovation? Oftentimes, if you want to learn or be educated at a world class institution, if you want to work on a high tech project, then you oftentimes have to leave the continent. Was this? the fate of the African youth economy, building social interventions and disguising them as innovation. I could not accept this. And so after that brief taste of founder humility, I learned two things. And step one is no compromise. I compromised and I knew even at a young age we hadn't built to the standard of the magnificent homes I had seen. I knew that we were compromising. And so I discovered the constraints that led me to this compromise and that led many of us to this compromise. These constraints are set by currency, debt, politics, leadership, and most importantly, our own compromise the standards we set for ourselves as Africans. And so compromise means, if you build something innovative in Africa, it will be celebrated here, but it will likely not be considered innovative across the developed world. And we accept this because we compromise. To build innovatively, we must rid ourselves of these constraints we must build our continent using the world as a benchmark, as a baseline, and then striving to achieve more. We're not just going to build healthcare education systems designed to support our fragile economies. No. We must build the best of the best of these systems for one reason and one reason only. Because we deserve them. Because we deserve them. So frustrated by these constraints, I decided to venture into a new industry, software. And so there's something beautiful about software that regardless of where you are in the world, the cost of learning how to develop world-class software, the cost of deploying that software is nearing zero. This is code written in Silicon Valley, or is it Kigali? Or is it Nairobi? Doesn't matter. Software doesn't have the same constraints the rest of the world does. And so I founded a company called Fingo. Fingo aims to build financial services for young Africans. We're building a digital bank that can let Africans across the world, or rather for now in Africa, download our app, create a bank account in under five minutes, transact for cheaper, and equip them with the tools to build wealth. And we will not compromise. Our product, the product that these young Africans will use, will be comparable to the rest of the world, if not better. Step two, revolution. The only way to escape the rest of the constraints is a revolution. We are in the midst of a youthful revolution. By 2050, over half the world's youth will be in Africa, the largest youth population in history. Revolutions are about escaping constraints. The French Revolution, the American Revolution, Haitian Revolution, the Arab Spring. These are people rising together, collectively, to escape the constraint, be it racial injustice, or to fight for economic freedom. Thomas Sankara once said, you cannot carry out fundamental change without a certain amount of madness. In this case, it comes from non-conformity, the courage to turn your back on the old formulas, the courage to invent the future. I want to be one of those madmen, and we must dare to invent the future. Hundreds of millions of young Africans will soon be joining the youth economy. And as it stands, they'll be competing for the lowest global standards, using the weakest currencies, riding on the slowest trains, learning in the most underfunded schools whilst paying the highest foreign debt. The economists will tell us that this is our future. and The data will tell us that it is likely. So how do we revolt? I look back at one of the first houses we built, and the first thing we needed to do was tear down the old house. We needed land, raw materials, expertise, and lastly, community. That's how we build our continent. We come together and set the rules that define us, set our own standard, and revolt against the constraints. And we do not compromise. So to all the young people across Africa, across the world, let us come together and say no to bad innovation. The next time someone comes and gives us five megabytes per second as innovation, let's say no. The next time we want to light up slums, let's say no. Ladies and gentlemen, viva la revolution.